0: Hey, how's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle. Jamie Eads joining you as I do each and every week. This is episode 91. I hope you are having a wonderful week out there. We're having a great week here at the Drum Shuffle World Headquarters. We have a very special guest today. We are going to be rejoined once again from the wonderful Nate Morton of The Voice fame and rock star and touring with Cher and Paul Stanley and the Bonnie Hunt Show. Nate has just been everywhere and he was our guest way back on episode nine. So we're glad to have him back right after this message from our sponsor, Lost Cabos Drumsticks. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Lost Cabos Drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Los Cabos Drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand, and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Los Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Los Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Los Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center, or heart, of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of Red Hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos drumsticks, visit them online at loscabostrumsticks.com, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Los Cabos drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory revolution with Los Cabos drumsticks. All right, guys and girls, as I mentioned, we're going to be joined once again by the great Nate Morton. Uh, Here in just a second, again, Nate was our guest way back on Episode 9, so many thanks to him for coming on a brand new show at that time and helping us out. Nate is just a superhuman being, a wonderful drummer. He's always got a lot of cool stuff going on, and he is in the pre-planning stages right now of a clinic tour, so we actually talked to him about that, and we certainly hope it comes to fruition. Uh, But I thought this was a really insightful conversation and he always just has so many great stories and great advice for everybody. So I know you're going to enjoy this. Please help me welcome back to the Drum Shuffle, Nate Morton. Hey, Nate, how's it going, brother? How are you? Jamie, I am good. I'm very well. I'm happy to be here. Oh, man. Thank you so much for taking time. Um, It's hard for me to believe But it has been almost two years since we've had you on the drum shuffle. You were way back on episode number eight. Can you believe that?
1: I can't believe that. That can't be true. Well, it is. It cannot have been that long.
0: It, It has been almost two full years. I think you were in May of 2018. So... Um, many, many thanks to you for being one of our first guests. I mean, that that ha- has helped me tremendously, but thanks for taking time to come back. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure. And thank you for having me back.
0: Yeah, man. I- anytime. You know, it goes without saying. Um, so you have been a, a very busy uh, drumming man for the last couple of years. Um, the last time you were on, you know, we kind of went through your entire career, if you will. And we talked about a lot of really cool stuff. Um, you know, you've just played with everybody, but I know you've been really super busy with The Voice. I mean, that's kind of your main gig these days. What else mm-hmm. have you had going on? I know you put out an album not too long ago uh, with Fraud Profits. Is that right?
1: This is true. This is true. So when I'm when I'm off from The Voice, uh, one of the things that I enjoy doing as much as I can is teaching. So I get an opportunity to exchange knowledge with uh, other players and so on. And I enjoy getting into the studio and recording. And not that long ago on one of our breaks, I had the opportunity to collaborate with my good friend, Sean Halley, uh, on our record. And the band is called Fraud Profits. And the record is called Poptosis. And I sort of describe that record as, let's call it, mainstream pop jazz fusion okay
0: all right well <laughs> it's, makes so it's yeah. c- covering I mean, all it, the genres it, at once that's well, good
1: <laughs> and that's what it feels like i mean it's a it's a it's a jazz record by virtue of the fact that there are solos and it is primarily instrumentally based not that there's not vocal you know based jazz records obviously there are but it's primarily instrumental and it's you know, and it features solos and things of this nature. But at the same time, it's still very accessible. And when a song goes off, you can still be singing a melody from something that yeah. was occurring. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why I so even though it is jazz and even though it is fusion because we allowed ourselves to pour you know, to pull from any number of genres it still remains very mainstream and very sort of pop accessible. And then that actually is how the record sort of became called Poptosis. Yeah. Because Poptosis is sort of this state, if you could imagine, where, you know, you sit down to play something that's really just heady and really just you know, cerebral, but it's still, you know, through, through, through whatever you try to do, it still comes out as a, as a hooky, singable melody,
0: yeah. you know? Yeah.
1: Uh, so that was kind of where that all came from.
0: Oh, and it's awesome, and you know I still uh, pop into the to the old CD player every now and then, or you know the what do the kids listen to these days? The MP3s. I've got it, you know, on my phone or whatever. But I still pop in the 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 record you did with Kenwood, and I want to give a shout out to Kenwood Anderson, who who is just a a wonderful human being. But uh, jazzy, funky, uh,
1: funky jazzy stuff. Yeah, Yeah. funky Funky, jazzy 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 stuff.
0: stuff. Yeah. So and, we, I, and,
1: I, and I absolutely am still listening to that and I still put it on from time to time. And, uh, and yeah, and I still get a lot of positive feedback from it as well.
0: Yeah, man, that was just a killer album. And, you know, I, I actually asked Kenwood, you know, we, we've kind of become, you know, acquaintances through social media and stuff. And, um, you know, I, I asked Kenwood, I was like, where did you learn how to play keys like that? And he was like, dude, I was just faking it most of the time. I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Faking it.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, he's, he's, he's very humble in that regard.
0: Yeah, but uh, just great, great stuff that you've been putting out. And, you know, I, I think it goes to you know, and I always, you know, compliment you for for your versatility, because obviously the voice, you you have to cover every genre known to man in an hour long format. I mean, let's face it. um, But you're such a versatile player. Where does that come from? Do you practice all these different genres all the time away from the voice? I mean, what do you listen to? I guess is what I'm really asking.
1: Well, what I listen to primarily is sports talk radio because I spend all day playing so much music that when I get in my car, a lot of the time, the last thing I want to do is hear any more music. Uh, either that, either that, or I listen to things that I'm not playing on the show. So I'll okay. listen to straight ahead jazz, or I'll listen to uh, gospel, or I'll listen to hip hop. You know, uh, uh, urban urban hip hop. So I listen to things when I'm when I'm listening musically. I listen to things, or I listen to, for example, odd sort of indie bands that I get turned on to. There's a band called Reptar that a friend of mine turned me on to that's almost like a, an updated version of The Talking Heads. You know, I listen oh, to cool. that kind of stuff. So yeah. things that don't often make their way onto the show. Um, but in terms of sort of being a versatile player, you know, it's interesting. Life, when you're, when, when you're on the planet long enough, it's just funny to look back at certain patterns. And when I was in college... I wanted to study two semesters with this jazz guy. I wanted to study you know, two semesters with this Latin guy. I wanted to study two semesters with this you know, rock guy. When I was playing in bands around college, I was playing in multiple cover bands. One of those cover bands was a band that specialized in calypso. It was like a wedding band that played a lot of calypso and, and reggae. Um, Another one of those bands was a band that specialized in really like rock, like top 40 and rock. So those were the kinds of gigs I was doing. I was also playing at times, you know, uh, I was playing on a uh, the Spirit of Boston, which is like a brunch cruise boat that I used to do on Sunday mornings periodically. So I always aspired to be a versatile player. I always aspired to be a guy who you could put – into any situation and I could be halfway comfortable with that and I'm not saying that I've necessarily achieved that in its entirety there's obviously situations where I would not be comfortable but it is something that was always a goal of mine was to you know at least have uh, a, a toe in the pond of enough styles that I could feel very comfortable if something came up you know I mean you may be on a on a top 40 gig and you know i don't know maybe soon comes up that's a bossa and if you've never learned how to play a boss. I don't know how many top 40 bosses there are, but you get my point. <laughs> oh, you know, um, maybe,
0: Where are you going with this, Morton?
1: The singer may be, you know, the singer may say, you know what? I just heard, you know, uh, um, one note samba. Can we work that up, guys? I know it's not in our set, but let's figure that out. And so now you're playing a boss. And if you've never played a boss, then you can very easily feel like a fish out of water. But if you've been fortunate to study with, for example, Ed Uribe, at Berkeley, rest in peace, Eddie Ribe. Um, then you have a, a reasonable grasp on those things, on those styles, those genres. So, to bring that all to a close, the voice to me feels very much like the gig I've been preparing for all my life without knowing it. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I didn't know I was preparing for it. I didn't know I was going to find myself on a gig where our our you know, 20 song set list would change every single week and we would span everything from big band to R&B, to rock, to country, to at times orchestral, to, you know, whatever. And and even, even within those genres to reggae, you know, we might do something that's very traditional country, or we might do something that's very updated country to, you know, Rascal Flattsy or something along those lines. So, um... Yeah, no, it's been, it's been, it's been a great experience and it's been a great opportunity for me to sort of have a medium to express all those different things, you know? Oh, we're doing a Toto song. I do get to go back to my love of the eighties and pull out my, you know, um, Rosanna shuffle. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Well, well, you know, I mean, I think the cool thing about, you know, the, the voice gig is, you know you how do i want to word this i want to make sure i say this the right way and it doesn't sound weird but you know not only are you doing these cover songs right i mean but you're you're able to put your own spin on things so somebody might pick a johnny cash song from the late 60s and they want to keep it pretty much the same but you and paul and, and sasha and the guys in the band you, you pretty much come up with your own arrangement. So you're paying homage to the original, but it's also modern. Does that, does that make any sense, what I'm saying?
1: It makes complete sense. It makes complete sense. Depending on the song, depending on the genre, depending on the contestant, it's almost like there's a dial that we, can, that we sort of control uh, collectively as a band. And on the far left of that dial is exactly like the original And on the far right of that dial is completely, radically different from the original. So what I mean is maybe we're playing a song that's really traditional. Like, let's say we're playing a really traditional country song. And there are things about it that are so signature. And all we got to do is get up there and play the parts because it's such a beautiful song. And we don't need to do anything to make it any, like nothing we do is going to make it any better. Go rest high on that mountain. For example, like no, nothing we go crazy on is going to make that song any more amazing than it already is. Right. Right. Then you have situations where, okay, I want to take we we did an arrangement a while back, um, the same rhythm section, Sasha, Paul and myself, but on a different television show of Ring of Fire. And it wound up being, in the end, this flip where it had like a tabla drum loop under it, and it had a completely Middle Eastern feel to it. It was performed by a singer on this show called Rockstar that we did back in 05 and 06 on on CBS. But that's obviously the far other end. So between those two things, there's all manner of variation. So generally speaking, I approach a song and I kind of go, all right, what's signature about this song? Like what are the crucial elements of this song? And I do my best to capture what those crucial elements are. But at the same time, I try to leave myself enough leeway to allow my own sort of character to come through. And it's very rare. I don't, I thought, I don't think really ever with possible exception of Rosanna. I think that when we did Rosanna on the show as sort of a, like uh, like a fun project for me. I literally transcribed like the parts and I tried to play spot on note for note the fills that Jeff plays just as like a like a homage to, you yeah. know, to Jeff. But generally speaking, I don't do that. Generally speaking, I know, for example, against all odds, blue, do, dig do, do, boo, bang. That's right. signature. Like yeah. that fill is signature. So I got to get that. But for the other fills, I'm letting myself kind of do some stuff. For the other, you know, things, I'm letting myself, you know, give myself a little bit more leeway. So, yeah, it really runs the gamut, you know? It really runs the gamut. And all of us, I believe, approach all of our parts that way. You know, what is signature to the song? What cannot be screwed up about this song? Okay, let's get the part that doesn't have to, that cannot be missed or screwed up. Now, the rest of it, we can allow our character to come through it. Yeah. You know, um, Justin, our guitar player may approach a song and maybe it's an R and B song, but once he gets like the, the R and B picky pattern on the verse, maybe there's no guitar part on the chorus. So he goes, all right, well, why don't I turn on a little distortion and give you some power yeah. under
2: that? Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And so now it has an edge to it that it didn't have before. So the elements that are essential are there. Right. Yeah. But the song itself has a little bit more of an edge now. Maybe Justin's doing that, so I open the hi hats on the chorus. All right, now I'm totally not doing what the drum machine was doing on the on the on the recording. Right,
0: right, but right. The
1: song is still there, you know. Yeah. So that's all. That's, that's kind of how we all collectively approach it.
0: Well, I, you know, I, I, again, I just think it's really cool. And and you know, there's this uh, the the age old argument amongst you know musical tribes of. I don't want to be in a cover band because that's somebody else's music. You know, there are these original only musicians, right? I'll only be in an original Mm -hmm. band. Covers are for guys that have sold their soul and all that stuff. But, but (laughs) you know, I mean, we we have these these conversations occasionally, us drummers, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and I mean this with all due respect. But you are in probably the most famous cover band on earth. I mean, think well, about it.
1: certainly one of the most high-profile cover bands. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I tell people. And it's funny, when I bump into people and they, like, I have, a, like, some musical tattoos, or if I'm wearing a Pearl drums or a Zildjian cymbal shirt or some other, you know, drum manufacturer or company, and someone will go, oh, are you a drummer? And I'll go, yeah, you know, I'm a musician, I play drums, yeah. And they go, oh, like, cool, like, what do you do? And I go, Uh, oh, you know, I'm in a cover band. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm in a cover band. It's fine. I have no problem with that. And there are people, for example, who might be on tour with artists who, you know, would say similar to what you're saying. You know, I don't want to be in a cover band. You know, I'm playing with so-and-so on tour. And Sasha, my bass player, has the best saying. He goes, unless you wrote the song, you're playing in a cover
0: but band. That's that. Well, I, and you, <laughs> so God, God bless Sasha Kristoff, because that was going to be yeah. my next, the next words out yeah. of my mouth was like, yeah, yeah. if 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 you're... If you're out with, you know, Janet Jackson, J.R. Robinson wrote your drum parts, most likely. You, you know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> right. so, um, you know, you can be on tour with the Beach Boys. You're covering, you know, the great Hal sure. Blaine. So I mean, it's just exactly. You know, so I, but I say that I
1: take no, I take no offense. I take no offense whatsoever at being labeled a cover band, regardless of the intent. I mean, some people may determine a cover band. Ugh. I still it's it, I'm fine with that, you know yeah. because i i I'm so comfortable in loving that position on that show, that share, playing with those guys, playing those songs i mean it's amazing i I really am every day that my eyes pop open and I get to go into work and do that gig is a is a blessing to me, and I consider myself fortunate to have
0: it so yeah well i yeah for, from your lips to God's ears, and you know i. I have told you this before in our, you know, conversations. You guys came onto my radar. You mentioned it earlier, the Rock Star Show on CBS, uh, and sure. and you guys were going by the 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 name the House Band, I think, at that time. Yeah. But, yeah,
1: very creative.
0: <laughs> yes. So I, I'm sure very some
1: literal, very literal band name. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I'm sure some mid-level producer at CBS is really patting themselves on the back for, <laughs> for that name <laughs> right now. But
1: you know, so here's the funny thing. So, so what, what actually we, we actually over the course, over the evolution of that show. So we, the first season was rockstar in excess and, um, In excess, you know, at the end of each episode, they would dismiss someone or whatever, and what one of them would say would be, you know, well, we're really sorry, Joanne, but you're just not right for our band in excess, (laughs) right? You're (laughs) not right for our band in excess. You know, you're not. That was that was the nice way to put it, right? Right. You're really great. You're just not right for our band in excess. So we took on the moniker Our Band House. Yeah, there. <laughs> we became on all the on all the message boards. They would refer to us as OB colon House. Our man's house.
0: <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, I mean that's when that's when you and Paul and Sasha and I don't know did you have a different guitarist at that time or was it still Justin?
1: No, you know, Justin didn't come on board until uh until Rockstar. We had okay. uh a, a guitarist named Hafa Morera. And we had a multi-instrumentalist who played guitar and keys named Jim McGorman.
0: Oh, that's right. That's right. So that's when you guys first hit my radar. And, you know, this was back, um, you know, 04, um, 05, something like that. But it was yeah. the the first of its kind. And, of course, you know, me being a huge music fan, I was like, there's no way I'm not watching this show. Right? So. <laughs> And I immediately looked over at my beautiful wife, Lisa, and I was like, I don't know who this drummer is, but he is a bona fide badass. You know, I mean, that was my, just the instant well, g- that's very nice of you to guttural say. reaction. And, you know, it's it's so cool for me, you know, all these years later to to know you and consider you a friend and all that good stuff. But you guys... You know, you've done all different kinds of things. I don't want everybody to think to to give them the idea that that, you know, you just do the voice because you don't. There's so much more to that. You know, you've toured with Cher. You've toured with Paul Stanley. You've done all these incredible gigs. Um, But the TV thing has it's just really kind of it fits you, you know, and and what's really cool about you. And I want to make sure I get this out is you are, I won't say prolific on social media, but there's so many great Nate Morton drum cams from The Voice. And those things are incredible, especially, you know, I I put on my 13-year-old Jamie hat. If that mm-hmm. would have existed when I was a beginning drummer, to be able to yeah. see the, the, the drummer's driver's seat, hey, this is me playing Mississippi Queen, or this is me playing you know, Proud Mary on The Voice, it would have changed my life without a doubt, you know? So if people aren't looking that stuff up, they should be, because it's incredible.
1: Well, that's nice of you to say. And that was entirely my intent. Like nothing, nothing that I post online with regard to like those drum cams or any of that stuff. It's, it's, it's not coming from a look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's more (laughs) <laughs> oh, you're a white person on YouTube, you idiot. But yeah, but it's more its more coming from, it's more coming from like, like you said, like 13-year-old you, like watching that stuff. And it's like, maybe you're watching an artist on The Letterman Show and Anton Fig is back there and he's killing it, but you can't really see him. Right. And you're kind of straining to hear what he's doing and you're like, oh man, you know, like like exactly like you said, Jamie, I would have loved to have had an Anton Figg cam. Oh you know? yeah. Um, and that sort of thing became like it kind of came on my radar when people started putting out concert DVDs and I don't even know if that still exists anymore. I'm so behind (laughs) in, in, in hashtag technology, but people were putting out concert DVDs and you could click on like the view that you wanted. Yeah, And it's like, Oh, I'm watching this Dave Matthews band DVD. I just want to watch Carter Beaufort. Yeah. I just want to see what he's doing the whole time. You know what I mean? So, so that kind of thing, like I said, it's, it's, it's been really cool. And it's funny because I started doing that, some of the first videos that I posted of those, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that anyone go back and watch the earliest ones because they're not, they're not good. Like because some of them are, like one of them, I literally taped up my like Sony camera to a piece <laughs> of you know set dressing behind me, or like I taped it on a setup like I did, I did, or, or like it's like my phone like leaning up against uh, a mic stand on a guitar amp. Yeah. Or something like that. So it's funny because over, the time, over time, it's evolved from that. And then, you know, my drum tech at the time was a cat named steve Morrison, who I love dearly. Um, and Steve-O and I, at, at some point, got our hands on, like, a GoPro. Right. So there's a bunch of them where it's just, right. like, one shot, one GoPro shot. Then it was like, ooh, we have two GoPros. Yeah. Stevo, do you know how to edit video? (laughs) And so then he starts learning how to edit video. So that was too shy. Then it went from that to being like, oh, maybe the nice folks in the audio department will give us a proper mix of it, you know? And so it's been cool. It's gone from like, you know, having a, a PA hold my phone and shoot something on my phone to being now like, you know, three cameras or four cameras and like really good audio and so yeah, it's been it's been real fun. It's been a lot of fun to be able to do that, and so I plan to keep doing it. And so I hope that people enjoy it, and you know that it gives them a little bit of insight into what my my little world looks like.
0: Well, it's awesome content. It really is. And and you know, in this day and age of of just you know oversaturation of content, you know, and and don't get me started on that, you know. But but there's so much stuff out there. It's hard to you know. Hey, this is the good stuff that you should be seeing. So that's my plug for you. It, Google is your friend here, kids. Just Google Nate Morton drum cam. You'll, you'll get some of the really good stuff, uh, in my opinion, well, anyway. You. That's You're, really, really very kind of you to say. I just, you know, I just put that stuff up
1: there. And it's funny because there's so much content now. And it's so, like, there are so many just young, just so scorching drummers out there. Um, And so when you put in that stuff, you know, when you when you start to watch those things, it can be completely overwhelming. I mean, I'm overwhelmed by it. I sit there and I go, oh, my God, I have no idea what this guy's doing. This is incredible. And so it's really nice to hear feedback like this from you that it's like, hey, you know what? I enjoy watching you play two and four. And I definitely enjoy that because (laughs) playing two and four is primarily what I do. So I'm glad that that is also appreciated in some light.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, you don't always just play two and four. It's it's the little tasty bits (laughs) in between that that I really like. And, you know, I mean, I I think as a community, us drummers, we we watch each other and and we always steal something from the other guy. Right. I mean, I've learned a ton watching you play over the years. And you oh, know, I, I've never sat down and had a personal lesson with you, obviously, but I've I've picked sure. up little things like, oh, I see, I, you know, I can see a pattern here. Nate likes this particular fill and
1: that's a nice way of saying i have one film no <laughs> it, it's also an accurate way of saying I have
0: one no film. but <laughs> so you you're just always self-deprecating <laughs> is the problem here but if you find something that a guy does that works and you can make sure. it work in your playing. You incorporate that into your little bag of tricks, right? I mean, we, Absolutely. we, Absolutely. All, we all do that. And, um, you know, so I think it's really good stuff that people should look at. And, and, you know, I think it may have been you that famously said on this show, it only takes about 3 minutes on Google to find any 9-year-old girl that can outplay the world on the kit nowadays, right? I mean, it's I don't know I
1: don't know if that's my quote, but that's an accurate quote. Yeah,
0: so <laughs> it's not about being, you know, choppy McChopperson all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's great if you've got that, but all anybody cares about if if you're going to get paid to do the gig is can this guy keep time? You know, I mean, that's right. at the end of the day, that's, that's our job. So,
1: or, or put, put another way, the same thing put another way is the things that make you most impressive to other drummers are not always the things that actually get you hired. That's right. That's, you ex- know what I mean? Yeah,
0: that's exactly right.
1: You know, so uh, my bass player, Sasha, he's he's worked with different drummers and he's worked with different drummers that are incredible players, but it is, you know, at times frustrating to him, and he'll he, he may name a guy, and I'll be like, "What? That guy's incredible!" And I'll be like, mm, "He's incredible to you because you're a drummer." <laughs> but it's not fun to always play with, you know yeah,
2: what I mean? Yeah. So,
1: you know. Well, yeah. I, you know, and not to take anything away from any anyone out there doing anything that anyone is doing, just to say that, uh, that, yeah, I'm just happy that you know uh, I've I've found a little bit of a of a home on my yeah. little gig, and I enjoy it. Yeah, f- <laughs> for
0: for sure, man. Well. Speaking of your gig and your little world, I I wanted to at least touch on this. Um, You know, you put out some social media content back around, you know, uh, and at the time we're recording this, you know, it's early February of 2020. So, so, you know, this is evergreen content. So I want to give a time reference here, but we're February 2020, um, You guys had a big, uh, you know, finale, I I guess, back in May or no, it wouldn't have been May. Uh, When was the finale? December. 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 Yeah. Okay. so Mm -hmm. the 17th
1: finale, December.
0: Right. So you're in a little bit of a a downtime right now. But you said, yes, I'm afraid of heights. Yes, I have to play on that. And it was a picture of a drum riser that looked to be about the size of the Statue of Liberty. Um, mm, so it felt
1: to be about that size as well.
0: <laughs> so, they built some kind of monstrosity of a drum riser, and they made you get up on there for the finale and play. Tell tell, tell yeah. us about that. Tell us that story.
1: Well, if you recall, uh, Jamie, uh, it was a Christmas tree. the The set decoration was a giant Christmas tree, right? And and it was a few stories high. And at the top of the Christmas tree. Just beneath, there was actually another, there was like a a star hanging over me. So I wasn't the star of the Christmas tree. I wasn't like the star on top of the tree, but just beneath the Christmas tree (laughs) is where, or sorry, just beneath the star is where the drums were positioned. And so, which that was interesting too, because I sort of felt like, well, Even if I don't fall off the strum riser to my death, that star could become disconnected from the scaffolding and and crush me. So like there was just peril. There was peril in every every turn, right? Um, so so yes, and I don't mind sharing with you that um, there was you know, there was there was there was railing for the show, but it was constantly being worked on it. So they were putting the railing up as we were doing run-throughs. So there were times when I had to play and there was no railing. And so literally my drum tech is standing like below, like he's on the ground below, (laughs) behind the riser in case I do fall to try <laughs> to freaking I don't know, like break my fall. I don't know. Right. going to catch me. Right. Of course. So,
0: <laughs> sacrifice so, the and, tech. Don't, don't let right. the talent get hurt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so, so, so um, sorry. Oh, oh my gosh. So, so the problem though is this, I don't, I don't mind sharing this with you. And well, I don't mind sharing this with you. I was so nervous as I'm playing on it before they had gotten, you know the, the the railing up and so on. I was so nervous that I never played that song right one time in rehearsal. <laughs> it was uh, was it wasn't Run Rudolph Run. It was uh uh, uh it's failing me right now. But uh, it was a blues tune, and I never I never played. There were these hits. There are there are a few hits in a few different sections, and I I never played the hits right all the way through <laughs> the whole song one single time because I was so distracted. And it's like if the riser. Is six inches high, or even if it's a foot high, even if it's two feet high, you don't really worry about falling off of it too much because, hey, I don't make it a habit of falling off of risers anyway. Although I did famously fall off of a riser in Chicago, which is on YouTube, which you can find if you would like. I can tell you that story; that was a funny one. But when the riser is like, let's say, fifteen feet high, yeah, feet high, then even though the chances are very remote you know that if you do, you're in big trouble. Yeah. So so I was so preoccupied with falling off the riser. I never played it right once. So the the time that I played it on the show that the world thought was the very first time I ever played it right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, that, that, that's, so, so basically I'm hearing that Nate Morton does not have red light syndrome. So when the red light goes on, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a good take. I, I may be scared to death, but I'm going to give you a good take when it counts. Well, no, so. <laughs> no, Jamie, no, the, the,
1: the, the, no, no, the rails weren't up
0: I gotcha. until we did yeah. the
1: show. Right? So once the rails were up, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I felt like, like, it, was like, it was like this kind of thing where it's kind of like I feel like if you're wearing a seatbelt in a car, you have to do something pretty dramatic to, to really hurt yourself if you're wearing a seatbelt. So I kind of felt like with the rails, I would have had to like fall backwards and maybe like a cowboy flipping off the railing of a banister <laughs> over the saloon. Like I would have had to flip over the railing yeah you know, and do so in a way that I couldn't grab onto the railing with one hand and hold myself at least long enough for like James, who is one of our larger grips to come out and catch me when I fall. Yeah. Uh, so, so I, so I felt like the chances of my imminent demise decreased substantially <laughs> enough that I could focus on just playing the song correctly.
0: Well, I just, I just, <laughs> just love the post. You were like, you know, they're, they're wheeling this thing into the voice studios. Right. And I mean, mm-hmm. it. It literally looked like Godzilla. I mean, it was just so yeah. big, and it, it was as
1: high. It was as high as it could possibly be to fit through the opening of the doorway with my drum set on it, okay. without it <laughs> clipping, <laughs> clipping cymbals of the truss work over the, over the doorway as they wheeled it on. Yeah. It was, it was something. And, and in fact, it was, it reminded me of the time I live, I live very close to Six Flags Magic Mountain. Okay. Um, out here in California. And I go there periodically, but there's one roller coaster that scares the crap out of me and I'm afraid to ride it. And it's, it's a, uh, I think it's Tetsu. It's one of the ones where basically you're hanging. So you're hanging by a harness. <laughs> okay, and so your feet yeah. And arms are dangling and you're going up as you're hanging by this harness and you're climbing above the tree line. And you are several stories in the air. And all that's going through my head is nothing on this apparatus can break right now or I will die. Like the only thing <laughs> preventing me from dying is the fact that this harness is locked in and there's a strap here. And I'm hoping that that strap clip is, is solid. I'm hoping that that bolt that holds the left to the right <laughs> side of the harness in is solidly screwed in. I hope the guy didn't show up to work drunk and not tighten it all the way. So as I'm pulling up the thing, as I'm going up the thing, and on the on the roller coaster I'm looking down at my hands and feet dangling well above the tree line I'm looking out over the horizon I'm seeing like oh there's my house and I'm thinking to myself this is how I die <laughs> <laughs> this is this is going to be the end of me this is this is this is how I die right here yeah. and so I I've had that feeling on Petsu at magic yeah. mountain and on that
0: drum riser and on that drum riser that's fantastic well you, you know you you could always you could always pull the the Diana Ross and be like you know this isn't in my contract I am absolutely certain that nowhere in my contract does it say I'll do this so
1: yeah um, no no i i i I play on the voice, Jamie. Yeah. I didn't create the voice. <laughs> Maybe if I was the guy who created the voice, I could pull that off. But uh, uh, but yeah, no. It's the guy who plays drums on the voice. I don't. I don't get that kind of uh, like first right of refusal or anything like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you just go where they tell you to go. Oh, that's something like
1: that. Something like that. Show up, sit down, play drums.
0: Yeah, that's there so funny, man. That's awesome. Well, so. I, it, <laughs> Let's let's switch gears just a little bit, uh, if you don't okay. mind, and and indulge me here for just a second. I, I find okay. this really interesting, and I think our listeners will as well. Um, hey,
1: Jamie. Yes, Jamie. Jamie. Yes, sir. I just want to share really quickly. Um, I, I I just did a little fact check to see what the coaster was. It's actually. X two, Okay. I mean, it's actually X2, right. not tattoo. Just wanted to clarify. Okay. Okay, do All
0: continue. Right. <laughs> so if nothing else, folks, we here at the Drum Shuffle value accuracy of our stories. The, the, that yeah. is Nate Morton, fact checker. That's what we just yeah. had right there. So there you uh, go. Nate, what do you charge per hour to do fat, fact checking? Because I could use a guy like you in my life. Uh, j- just saying. <laughs> <laughs> we can negotiate.
1: Okay. Can, it's,
0: it's negotiable. All right. Good deal. Well, so I, you just recently put out via your social channels, you said, hey, I've got a little bit of downtime before the voice starts back up. I'm kicking around the idea of potentially doing a clinic tour. Okay. And yes. you, you were basically asking your social media family, hey, let me know if there would be any interest and, in, you know, where should I go kind of thing. Um, Correct. I think this is a First of all, a fantastic idea. I would absolutely go to one of your clinics because I think it would be a wonderful experience for drummers of of any genre ability. I think it would be a a huge learning experience for us in the drumming community. But the question is, when you throw that out there, I'm assuming you got just an ocean of response to that, Correct.
1: I wouldn't, I wouldn't say an ocean, um, a, a medium sized lake, a medium sized lake. Yes. And I am, and and all, all very, very encouraging and, um, and, and thoughtful and helpful and people suggesting certain drum shops and people, uh, working to sort of connect me with certain owners of, uh, places. So yeah, no, it's been really, really encouraging. And I'm, 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 Literally, when I finish chatting to you now, I'm going to go back to those responses and I'm in the process of sort of sorting them by, you know, these are in this region of the country. These are in this region of the country. These are people who own shops, who have expressed an interest in having me come and visit. These are people who have said, if you're ever in this city, I'll come and attend. So I'm kind of in the process of organizing that all. But yeah, I was I was pleasantly Surprised with the amount of positive feedback that
2: I got. Okay. well,
1: that it, I am that I, that I am getting. I'm actually still getting folks uh, you good. know writing in with with possibilities.
0: Good, 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 good. So you know I, I think there might be a misconception out there uh, that mm-hmm. when when somebody when a famous drummer shows up to your town on a clinic tour, you know, hey, we're doing mm-hmm. a clinic at at you know the ABC drum shop in any town USA, I think mm-hmm. there there may be this misconception that well you know the the drum shop paid him to be here and sometimes that's true but mm-hmm. I don't think people understand that you know like in your case it's not Pearl saying hey Nate we need you in Nashville on this date Minneapolis on this date it's it's really the the drummers typically put these things together you know um, and. It's a lot of work. So thank you for at least exploring and putting in the groundwork to try to get it up and running. That's pretty cool.
1: Absolutely. Uh, And that's my pleasure. Yeah, you know, there are all manner of variations when someone does a drum clinic. So it can be everything from the company involved completely, you know, and they basically call and go, go to this place, do this clinic on this time and this date. Or it can be the drummer completely by themselves saying, Hey, I'm going to do a masterclass at this location on this date, you know, and here's the ticket pricing and availability, and I'm going to limit it to 20 people or 15 people, whatever that may be. So there are all manner of variation. There's every, obviously every variation in between where uh, expenses are shared by shops and or companies and or the player. So there are all, all sorts of ways. And so in this case, I've done clinics that have been organized by my companies or organized by my companies in, con- in, in con- not conglomeration, what sort I'm looking for, collaboration, thank you, in collaboration with uh, shops and so on, and so, so that is obviously one way to do it. In this situation... I'm just trying to be a little bit more proactive. And so rather than sitting back and kind of going like waiting for the phone to ring and someone to say, Hey, can you come and do this clinic? Can you come and do this? I'm sort of kind of going like, Hey, anybody want me to come and do a clinic there? You know, let's work it out. Let's see what we can do. So, you know, I mean, it's, and it's not something that I, it's not something that I, how can I put this? It's again, like, I really enjoy exchanging information. I really enjoy sharing what little bit of knowledge I've gained from doing this for the past 30 some odd years. And so, yeah, I just think it's a great opportunity. And I don't don't think I'm unique in that regard. I think it's why the majority of musical clinics are drum clinics. I think that as a community and as a culture, drummers are typically the ones most excited about sharing and excited about talking about this fill, or why I've got that symbol, or why I play this size drumstick, or what books I studied, whereas I've known other musicians who play other instruments who will literally work to obscure what they are doing, because they don't want (laughs) anyone else to be able to do what they're doing, you know, Uh, which is outlandish to me.
0: Well, I mean, Eddie Van Halen, famously, back in the early days of Van Halen, he would play all of his solos with his back to the crowd, because he didn't... Is that? That's a thing. Sorry, go on. That's a thing. Yeah. Well,
1: I've known guitarists. I've known guitarists who have taken acetone and rubbed the numbers off the dials <laughs> on their settings on guitar pedal, on guitar pedal. Like, what? Seriously?
0: Wow. <laughs> like, I mean, that's there's, some there's ex- That's some CIA secret squirrel stuff right there. I mean, yeah. that's Yeah, well, uh, I've
1: known guys. I've known guys who cover their rigs with towels when they leave the stage. Like guitarists who will cover their pedal board with a towel before they leave the stage so that no one can see what their settings are. Wow. Yeah. It's yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I man. It's interesting. Yeah. I I've never been that guy obviously.
0: You're right. Well, and I think a lot of that and correct me if I'm wrong, certainly, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you know, I mean, we've had your your you know, one of your first drum teachers, Grant Menifee, has been a guest on this show. Of course, you went to mm-hmm. Ber- Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Um, you know, all the great teachers there. You've had some wonderful teachers in your career as a drummer. And I think it's only natural when you have great teachers that have taught you things, you want to pass that on to the next generation, right? Well,
1: yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Moreover, my parents were both educators as well. My mother, um, you know, taught uh, in middle school and high school, and then my father was a college professor before going into college administration. He also taught high school, so I sort of come, I like, so so education is a little bit in my in my DNA as well. So teaching, teaching is a little bit of my DNA. And I really, I really do enjoy it. You know, I really enjoy it. Clinics are great because I get to chat to a bunch of people at a time and I get to field questions and I get to share it with a group collectively. Teaching privately is great. My favorite moment when I'm teaching privately is to literally watch someone working through something in their head that they are struggling with and then watching them sort of get it. like watching Like the light bulb go on. It's, it's, I mean, it's, I don't mean to be cliche or whatever, but it's like a drug. It's like, it's like such a drug, like watching someone get something. It makes me so excited. Like (laughs) I I feel like I just
0: got it. Yeah. I I mean, and I get that. And you know, just a, a few episodes ago, I had one of your former students as a guest, you know, the, the wonderful Corey, Corey Coverstone of Dirty Honey was Corey our guest. Coverstone, yeah. yes. So he told I me, love Corey. he told me like the most rock and roll story of all time about taking lessons from you. He was living like up in the Portland area. And of course you're based yeah. in, in the LA area, but yeah. his dad was a truck driver and he would jump in the yeah. big rig with his dad and his dad would drop him off. And he would take like a two or three hour lesson with you and then jump back in the rig after his dad had picked up his load or whatever, and they would yep. go back to Portland. How rock yep. and roll cool is that?
1: Yeah. Well the funny part about that three, and I don't know if Corey I don't know if Corey shared this aspect. Corey and I are both sports car guys. We both like sports cars. Um when I met what was Corey Driving when I met him? I don't remember what he had when I met him, but over the course of sort of knowing him, at one point he had like this uh, Mini Cooper, this like supercharged Mini Cooper that he would like, you know, jet around in. I've always had uh, like a Subaru WRX STI. So he and I have always been sports car guys. We were like kind of zipping around. And so I remember him at one point coming down for those and, and like I would see him and I'd be like, you know, how, you know, how was it, everything? He was like, oh no, you know, it, was really, it was really cool. We drove down from Portland. Really, really slowly. (laughs) So yeah, so you can imagine, like, just sitting there going, you know, the speed limit from
0: Portland. That's hilarious. I mean, I I told Corey, I said the only thing that could possibly be more rock and roll than that would be if you hitchhiked to Nate's house. You know, I mean, (laughs) so, uh, but, but, you know, Corey, Corey is one of my favorite people. I love that dude. I love, he is, he,
1: he, he began as a student and then wound up as my brother. Yeah. Yeah. Corey, Corey and I couldn't be closer if we were actually blood related. Like if he were my actual brother, we couldn't be any closer than we already are.
0: That's so cool to hear, man. And he's just such a nice, humble young guy. And look, I'm a rock guy at heart. I have great hopes for that band. Um, They they are carrying the flag up the hill pretty hard right now. And for sure, you know, I, I sure hope that their success continues to build because. You know, frankly, rock and roll needs some help right now. I mean, it really does.
1: Sure, and and, and Corey, not to take anything away from that band, because they are really good. I've seen them several times. and Corey is great in that band. But Corey is...
0: He's a jazzer, man.
1: He's a a monster player. Like, I can't put Corey in a box. You know what I mean? I was literally, I was talking to someone about him literally hours ago in a lesson and I was sharing with him uh, with this particular student, I was saying with my buddy, Corey, and I'm like, here's him rocking with dirty honey. Oh, by the way, here's him jazzing at this Mm -hmm. place called the blue whale. It's this jazz club we have here in LA and this is his own project. And it's like, what? Wow. That's, that's the same dude. Yeah. That's the same dude. No, he's a, he's a, he's a monster player and plays in a really unique style. You know what I'm saying? Like, Definitely has his own take on things, so yeah, no I, I love Corey and it 's been a blast watching him develop over the past however many years, um, you know as a player and then in his career and then as a bro and You know, and I know his mom, his mom, you know, it's awesome. Corey's a great dude.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. Well, I mean, he just had such a good story and, you know, it tied back into you and and it was, it was not planned that way. But, you know, I said to him, I was like, well, I literally just texted Nate about 20 minutes ago to try to get him scheduled. So it's just, it's so cool that our community, you know, you're not very far removed from any drummer, at all, you're only about three three emails away from anybody in the world these days. You know what I'm saying? It's uh, yes, I do. It's cool that we have such a close knit family in the drumming community. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's just great. Now, I, I also had one of your buddies on the show a little while ago, and uh, the the great Fred Eltringham, of course. Um, mm. So mm-hmm. we were talking about his time at Berkeley. And okay. he and I put our heads together, and we just decided that you guys both attended Berkeley during the golden age. We, we've just decided, of all the great drummers that have come out of Berkeley, mm-hmm. the golden mm-hmm. age mm-hmm. was was around your time at Berkeley. And, and, you know. Now,
1: when was Fred? When did Fred start? Finish? I don't remember.
0: Um, I, I want to. Were we there
1: at the exact same time?
0: I, I want to say he was a year. Behind you, I'm not sure. Okay, that sounds
1: about I, right. Because I feel like I'm older than Fred.
0: Yeah, yeah I want to say he was a year behind you, but we just kind of put our heads together in a, in a little chat like this, and and we came up with Abel boreal Fred, you, Johnny Rab, um, John Blackwell, um, Stacy Jones, uh, who went on to Little John um, Roberts, the Little John Roberts. Um, you know, I I mean, it was literally uh, and. Passed. Yeah. Portnoy was in there Chad somewhere.
1: Wright, that Ch- Chad Wright, currently on tour with Bruce Hornsby. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, there were a lot of cats. There th- were a lot of cats there at that time.
0: So, I, you know, how does it feel to be contemporaries with all those guys? I mean, do you ever just go, my God, I really did go to college with, like, the A-list of drumming?
1: You know what? Here's the thing. I I, I mean... I, I, Oh my God. How did I forget Antonio Sanchez? Yeah. He was also there at the same time. Um, um, I it's interesting because yes, at that time it was like, wow, there's a lot of really great drummers around. This is really cool. But like, you know, who knew, you know, when you're in college, like all these people are going to go off and do all these amazing things. Like who knew that Antonio Sanchez was going to do, what he's done and be as active as a drummer as he is as a composer and an award-winning, you know, uh, artist and so on. And just all of them, you know? Yeah. Um, because I remember being there and being like, Oh, you know, like a few years ago, Gene Lake was here and Billy (laughs) Kilson was here (laughs) yeah, and the guys from dream theater were here, you know? So I do, you know, that, so, so when I was in it, I thought about it like that now that I'm out of it. Sure. I, I, I do, I do definitely look back and go like, wow, there's a lot of dudes there at that time. Yeah, you
2: know? yeah. I mean, <laughs>
1: there's probably even cats. I'm sure there's cats that I'm actually even forgetting right now. Um, but yes. Oh, Marco Georgievic was yeah, there. Yes. Uh, when I was there. Um, so, yeah, no, there's a lot of guys.
0: But I mean, I, you know, if you just, you know, here's how I put it to Fred. I was like, OK, you've got a guy that's, you know, being seen by, you know, 30 million people a week on The Voice. We were talking about you. Fred is out with Sheryl Crow. He just did Willie Nelson's last record. Abe -hmm. is is out with Sir Paul McCartney. Johnny Rabb is one of the most badass clinicians and in in Collective Soul. Um, I, I mean, if you just think about the gigs that everybody ended up in and what they're doing, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it really is. If you... And and I understand what you're saying, you know, when you're there in the moment, you're just like, well, I'm in school with a whole bunch of really good players. Um, all of those really good players, though, went on to great, great things. It's it's pretty amazing to me.
1: Well, I mean, not to take anything away from anything that everyone of those players did prior to coming to school at Berkeley, but I mean, to 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 me... It speaks volumes to the uh, the available level of education and, and and so on available at that school. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean. I, I I used to say, I used to say that going to Berkeley was the second most important thing that I ever did to further my musical career, and then that invariably begs the question: well, What do you consider the first? And I would always say moving to Los Angeles. Yeah. But I think that in reality, one would not have worked without the other moving to los angeles without having gone to berkeley would not i would not have had the same tools arriving here which is not to say you can't gain those tools other places i'm speaking specifically in my own little walk of life and so so had i only gone to berkeley and never moved here i doubt i would be where i am had i skipped going to berkeley and moved straight here i doubt i would be where i am so now i more say the, the the two most important things that i ever did to advance my musical career were going to Berkeley followed by moving to Los Angeles
0: yeah well I mean and that's a really great point I mean you have to be where the action is no doubt and you know it's Berkeley is just such a school of renown and you know I've had a whole bunch of cats on here from you know North Texas and University of Miami there's there's a ton of great schools out there for drummers I'm not trying to say everybody go to Berkeley you know that's not what I'm saying but I am. Well, fair enough. Touché. Uh,
1: I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding.
0: But I I just think the, the, the players of that era, you know, that nineties era, I mean, it was just, it was thick with talent. There's no doubt about it. And it's, it's really incredible stuff. So, um, Nate, what else do you have going on in your life? I mean, as if the voice and you know doing albums and planning a clinic tour aren't enough. What else do you have going on? Are you still taking on some private students? Uh, new new private students? Talk to us I about am, that. I,
1: I am. I, I'm, I am. teaching. I am teaching. But the the counterbalance to all of the things that we've been chatting about now is um, the fact that uh, the, the 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 fact that. I also have, you know, a, lo- a wife and six <laughs> yeah. kids, Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, speaking, speaking of my six kids, one of them just texted me, my 17-year-old Brandon just texted me, everyone else stole all the juice from the fridge, so now I am sad. <laughs> 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 so, so, you know what I mean? So, there's also that, you know
0: what I mean? You, you need to get um, in your zippy little Subaru and drive your ass to the market, dad. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um... So, yeah so you know what I mean it's like all of the all of the professional stuff is great, and I spend a lot of time working on it and organizing it and teaching and playing and recording as best I can, and all of those things, but it's also balanced with like, okay, I get to take my thirteen year old to a tennis tournament that he's playing you know this yeah. weekend, or I get to go pick up my my seven year old from school after I've picked up my four year old from preschool and then we're gonna go get yogurt at Golden Spoon. yeah, you know yeah, what I mean like. Yeah. That's fun stuff, you know. I'm going to take my two-year-old to the park, you know, push him on the swing until he starts yelling at me that he wants to get out of the swing and whatever, whatever. Then I'm going to chase him around and try to prevent him from falling off of something and hurting himself. Um, I've got a 19-year-old that's, you know, at college, close to you, actually, at Western Kentucky University. They're in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And, you know, I'm very, very proud of him. He's there on a a full-ride speech and debate scholarship. Um, So, you know... Those are the other those are the things that occupy my time when I'm not doing professional things, you know, and and those are the things that are the, 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 the professional things that I do support the important things that I do. Yeah. That, you know, do you yeah. know what I'm
0: saying? Oh, I do. So. And, and, and look, you know, I, I, you and I, I think we, it maybe didn't make the last interview that we did, but I think we talked about it after we had wrapped up, you know, the, the official recording a couple of years ago, it was, you really have the best gig in the world for a family man, because, you're you're right there, you know. You're. It's not like you have to call from Omaha between sound check and showtime to say goodnight. You know what I'm saying?
1: I know exactly what you're saying, Jamie. And every day, my eyes pop open, and I hop in my car and I cruise on into Studio City or into Burbank to work on the gig. I realize what a what a rare and fortunate opportunity you know that I that I have to have that that situation there. It's amazing. I. I I, I sometimes just think, like, I guess I was, like, a really good dude in a past life or something. And this is, like, some sort of karmic, like, yay, good job for being a good dude in your past life, you know. Or or, or, or maybe my past life, like, really sucked. Like, man, good job sticking it out as, like, a cactus in the desert.
2: You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, dude.
1: So, so this is your reward. Now you get to be a drummer on this TV show. I mean, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm being silly, but I, I really do appreciate it every day. You know, well, no no part of me goes, no part of me goes, yeah, well, of course I play on a TV show. No, that's, that's not in my DNA. I'm definitely like, I, I, I still marvel at the fact that I can call someone at Zildjian and they will answer the phone <laughs> like that. If you had told me that that would yeah. be a part of my life when I was in high school, I'd be like, you're out of your mind. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I I recognize it every day, and and the advantage of being home and seeing these crazy kids, and my wonderful wife, and sleeping in my own bed, and all of it. You yeah, know? yeah, I'm I'm very fortunate.
0: Well, well you know, I, one thing I know for certain is you're a good dude in this life because you look. I, I, Let's just be real, you know, on a, on a person to person level here. You know, when I reached out to you, my show had exactly you know three listeners, and my mom was one of them, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah. You know, so I mean, it's you, like
1: that gig. It's like that gig you do where you go, "Hey, listen, everybody, uh, I'd like to thank both of you for coming out tonight." Yes. Um.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you were one of the first drummers that I reached out to when I started this thing. And you could have said, yeah, man, I'm sorry. I just, I really don't have the time. But instead you were like, yeah, sure, man. When do you want to talk? <laughs> you know, it was like. Do you know why, Jamie? Do you know why? Why?
1: Because even if it were only three people at that time, I am always, um, I am always excited. Maybe that's the wrong word. It's, it's gratifying to know that anyone gives a dang what I think yeah. or what I have to say about anything. So the fact that anyone would care is, is to me like, okay, of course, I would love to go on. If someone wants to listen or has a question or if I can help anyone in any way and they can gain something from anything that I can possibly say, I, you know, I, I jump at the opportunity. So I consider myself very, very fortunate to be in a position where anyone actually cares what I have to say, yeah. You know, if
0: they do. <laughs> well, you, you probably don't even know it and don't realize it, but you're a huge piece of the formula in the success of this show. Because when you start anything like this, you know, a drummer's podcast, and there's a ton of them out there that are way more established than mine. And I know you've done some of those and those guys do great work. But if you can't get some guys on that people have heard of, you're probably not going to get any traction early on. And it's just hard. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I I think the way I tried to launch this show was let's get some really great players on the show and just talk about them and their life. And, you know, you Mm -hmm. were one of the first cats that said, yeah, man, let's let's figure out a day and time and I'll give you as much time as you need and we'll talk about anything you want to. Um, it really taught me how to do the show. To to be perfectly honest with you, you know, it was really cool yeah, of you I, to yeah. do that.
1: Man, stop! You're giving me way too much credit, dude. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs>
0: no, I, I just appreciate it. I really do.
1: Sure. Well, well, I, I, like I said, I appreciate you inviting me. Um, and it's always a pleasure, man, to get to come on and talk to you.
0: Yeah, for sure, brother, for sure. So uh, let me ask you one final question and, and I'll let you get on with your day. But, you know, we, we, we talk about the voice and, you know, you, you get to sleep in your own bed and all that stuff. Is, I, I, and I know the answer to this, but I want you to say it for our listeners. I, it, touring is not off the radar for you forever, Right. Is that the question? Yeah, that's the question. I mean,
1: if oh, the if no, the touring is not off the radar for me forever, if the, I, I mean, you know, if, if, if the, the right offer came along, yeah, okay, sure. and uh, the timing,
0: yeah, for sure. I mean, you've you've got your obligation to to NBC in the Voice. I mean, but you sure. have some downtime each year, um, you know, I, and I would imagine you've had some calls, and you don't have to disclose that, but. You know, we're really excited that you may be doing a clinic tour. We all want to get out to see you. But, you know, there there could come a time that you're back out with somebody like a share or whomever. But, you know, you, you have not closed that door, that that chapter in your book. Right,
1: Jamie, I'll be honest with you. I'll be very, very honest with you. I enjoy touring and there are aspects of it that I that I miss and so, sure, I absolutely could see myself being on tour again at some point with someone. It's not by any means something that I've completely ruled out. Um, it would just have to be the right opportunity, you know. Yeah. Um, the show obviously keeps me busy and keeps me in town, which is why I've sort of looked to explore the clinic touring possibility, because that would be something that I could dictate around my schedule on the show. Yeah. So that's what makes that attractive. But sure, if the right thing fell into place at the right time of the year and the right, you know, part of the the shooting of the show, uh, production and all of that, no, I haven't ruled out touring at all.
0: Okay, good. Well, you know, I mean, it's always good to ask, um, you know, because, I mean, I think there are some guys out there that say, hey, touring is over. I'm a session only cat now, or, you know, I, I don't want to do sessions only anymore. I want to tour, you know, I mean, I think it's, it's up to the individual situation, but I I always find it interesting because you've done some huge tours in your day, right? So I I wanted to ask the question, and I appreciate your your honesty.
1: You got it. And I think for me, I think that what I've always done is I've attempted to let my enjoyment of the music and or the situation guide me. In other words, there have been times where I've had a tour opportunity or maybe not even a touring opportunity an opportunity whatever it may have been and it may have been music that i did not enjoy but perhaps would have paid more than an opportunity that i took instead to make less money playing music that i would have enjoyed or playing with you know musicians that i had more fun being around yeah so so that to me is is the overall guiding principle over like, will I tour or not? Will I only do sessions? Will I only, you know, play on T V, if that were up to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's more about the, the, the specific opportunity and less about the medium that that is that it is within, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah,
0: yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, I mean, and I think that's a good way to approach it, you know, most most deaf. So um, Nate, I, yeah. again, I can't thank you enough for taking time to do it. Thanks for updating us on, on everything that's going on in, in Nate Morton's world. Um, you got it. it, it and you know,
1: if I can, if I can be, if I can be self-promoting for one second, absolutely. I do circle back around. I do, I do want to circle back around and I want to encourage people to go and, uh, and check out the Fraud Profits record. And once again, the band name is Fraud Profits, which is F-A, Wow. Where did I go to school?
0: Uh, Berkeley.
1: Berkeley. College of Music. Figures. See? Learned <laughs> to play two and four. Didn't learn to spell. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's fraud profits. F R A U D P R S. Wow. I am really failing right now. <laughs> Jamie,
0: help me. How about this? I'll put a link to the record on, on
1: the do show that, site. Do that. Let me try one more doggone time. F-R-A-U-D-P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S. Dun, 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 yeah.
2: Bang. There Wrong you go. Profit,
1: okay. And the name of the record is Poptosis, which is P-O-P-T-O-S-I-S. And you can find Poptosis pretty much anywhere where you can find music. Um, cool. So it's on iTunes. It's on CD baby. It's on Amazon music. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Give it a listen. It's me and my buddy, Shawnee, and he's one of the most talented people that I know. Yeah. And this record, this record, this record is actually the result of me essentially badgering him into making a record because for many, many, many years, I would say to him, Sean, you are one of the most talented people that I know and way too few people realize that. (laughs) And so would you please, please, please let the world know that you are amazing. So, you know, here is this record. So I think that anyone who listens to it will agree that uh, that Sean is amazing and it's a fun record. So check it out if you got a chance.
0: Yeah, we will definitely uh, push some folks that way. Now, one last ask, give everybody all of the social media stuff, because if people aren't following you, they need to be because it's so good and educational. Give everybody like, you know, real quick, your your Instagram and, and Facebook and YouTube and all that good stuff.
1: Okay, let's see. Um, I don't usually have to catalog at all. Let me just think here. So you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Nate Morton Drums. That is my Facebook where I keep in touch with everyone. And then you can find me on YouTube. I have a Nate Morton channel. It's like youtube.com. Hey, is there some accompanying text with this, Jamie? It's like youtube.com slash c. For some reason, C, like the letter C, slash Nate Morton Drums. YouTube.com slash C slash Nate Morton Drums. That's on YouTube. Okay. And then on IG, or as the kids say, Insta. The kids don't say Insta. No. The kids don't say Insta. No, they don't. No one says Insta. (laughs) I literally say Insta just so that my wife can make fun of me for saying Insta. Um, But you can find me on Instagram. And uh, I'm uh, Nate Drums, which is N and the number eight. Yes. D R U M Z. Yes. In eight. D R U M Z. On uh, on the old Insta. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm doing a wink and a and like an air pistol like oh. a, like right
0: now. <laughs> okay. Good. Well. Um, and and I'm gonna yeah. hey I'm gonna out you right now. Kids, oh, no. that that IG hashtag. If you ever see a little blue Subaru zooming around with that <laughs> license plate on it,
1: pull up next to the guy and be like,
0: "Hey, my car's faster," and see what happens to you. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have been spotted. It is. It's on my tag, Nate Drugs, and I have been spotted. I had a, <laughs> so this, man. So uh, I had a kid come up to me, and we were rehearsing. We had a, we were rehearsing, and um, at center staging, and my car was parked in the parking lot, and Another drummer who was rehearsing there with another band, younger kids came up to me, and he's like, oh, you know, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm Nate, whatever, I'm a drummer. And he's like, oh, okay, I'm so-and-so, I'm a drummer. And he said, what do you do? And I said, I play drums on the voice.
0: I'm in a cover said, band. Oh. <laughs> yeah, right,
1: exactly. I'm in a cover band. I play drums, you know, on the voice. And he goes, oh, is that your car with Nate Drums on the tag? And I was like, yeah. And he kind of looked me, like, up and down, and he goes, all right, you can be Nate Drums. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 okay, that's a substantial enough gig <laughs> that you're allowed to be bro. I that's thought that was so funny. I was like, gee, thanks. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he was
0: gonna pull out his DMV badge all of a sudden, and something, be like, "Nothing like, like, oh,
1: like, like, oh, your tag is Nate Drums? How fast are your singles?" Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. We, no, don't qualify. Sorry, yeah. give it up, buddy. We're,
0: we're taking the plate back and finding a better <laughs> Nate drummer. That's it was uh, hilarious. Uh, that is it so was hilarious. Funny, God. Well, see, Nate, this is why I have you on the show because I haven't laughed this much in about six weeks. So, I, seriously. Oh. Oh, oh, open, oh, invitation. Glad, open invitation. Open yeah. invitation. Anytime you've got Man. something going on, let me know.
1: Well, good to know. Good to know, James. I mean, you know what I should do is if I actually do manage to put together this, uh, this clinic tour situation, which is a big if, because at the moment I feel completely overwhelmed. I have to admit, if I'm honest, <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to do this. But if something happens and I am actually able to figure out a way to do it, and do it the right way, and, and get it done. I'll, I'd love to pop back on and be like, "Hey,
0: I'm in this city on this day." For Look sure, back. for sure, man. All right. All you got to do That'd is be shoot. Great. All you got to do is shoot me a text. You, you've got an open line on this show. Anytime you need it, my friend. I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Yeah, man. Thank you. So we'll be looking for a clinic tour announcement. We're keeping our fingers crossed. And if that does sure. happen, we'll have you back on to talk about where you're going to be. And, you know, we'll, we'll try to get you to give up some goods, uh, you know, and, and give us a sneak preview of what you're going to be talking about and and playing along too and all that good stuff. But we'll, we'll drum up some interest, pun fully Let's intended there. So cool, man. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Thank you, Jamie. You're welcome, man. Brother, anytime. Uh, have a great one. Let me know if I can help, and we will talk to you very, very soon.
1: Will do, sir. Thank you, buddy. Goodbye,
0: everybody. See ya. All right, everybody. That is going to wrap up episode 91 of The Drum Shuffle. Thank you so much for listening. We, I, I say it every week. We cannot continue this show without all of you guys listening. Week in and week out. We appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts over here at the Drum Shuffle. I also ask every week and sincerely, it's a huge help to us. Take a moment to give us a thumbs up, uh, a star rating, a review. Type a couple of sentences if you like the show in that review slot on whatever platform you use to listen in. It helps people to find us and and we need all the help we can get for sure. Many thanks to Nate Morton for taking time out of his busy schedule to join us. Hit the subscribe button. We have some episodes coming up that you're certainly not going to want to miss. I am going to be joined next week by my brother from another mother, Scott Hessel of the Gin Blossoms, who was our guest way back on episode number two. So it's going to be great. Scott and I have developed a a friendship over the last uh, couple of years, and it's always a hoot when we get on the phone with one another I promise you don't want to miss it hey we answer every single email we receive here at the drum shuffle the drum shuffle podcast at gmail.com is where you can drop us an email we do answer every single one we receive our web address is the you can find more information on me over at jamieeds.com have a fantastic week out there and until next time may your head stay strong and your sticks never break cheers everybody